shout out to all of our radio affiliates as we kick it into the late night hours. We're not done yet. Teddy Covers stepped up and in. Jeff Feinberg threw it down with us. Rick Saratella is going to talk NFL football. We'll get into the draft uh, a bit as uh, the NFL draft around the corner. Of course, um, the National Football League season doesn't feel like it, uh, but we're running out of racetrack already as we go into the final month of the season. A few fantasy football players like myself, this starts to matter uh, a little bit. Maybe it'd be nice to get Christian McCaffrey back and, you know, you can get me like 32 points or something like that. Because you know what? I'm the commissioner of a lot of the leagues that I'm in. In fact, all the leagues that I'm in, i.e. I have the money and I have to pay people. <laughs> so so basically, I'd rather win. You know, I, I, you know, I'd rather win. And I don't know what it is. And, you know, everyone has this. If you play in multiple fantasy football leagues, and I'm in three of them, actually. And one of my leagues, I'm like two and nine, two and ten. I think I might be three and nine now. Like, total train wreck. And you know what's weird? My team doesn't suck. Like, I don't even have, like, a ton of injuries to complain about or anything like that. It's just one of these weird deals that my players didn't play well on a week, my matchups, et cetera. People scored a lot of points against me. So I have one league that it's a train wreck that I'm done, and I was done basically, like, eight weeks ago. I have another league that I've already locked a spot into the playoffs. And there's another league where I think I need to win this week and maybe I'll get in. <laughs> so, like, I tell you what, as the commissioner of all three leagues, uh, I'm really hoping I can, like, salvage money out of one of them, all right? I'm hoping I can salvage uh, money out of one of the leagues. Uh, but uh, you know how I'm going to salvage money this weekend? going to lay it down on BYU. We're going to crunch some numbers. we got the BYU Cougars of Coastal Carolina. It's a go. And props to them. Great stuff. In an era, you know, of college football teams, of the so-called powerhouses that are scared to play teams, look at Ohio State. They never want to play Cincinnati. You know, Penn State didn't want to play Pittsburgh. All that crap. You got all these so-called powers that don't want to play anybody. Props to BYU for saying, yeah, you know what? We're in the middle of the mountains right now in Utah, but uh, you got a game, we're there. We're going to get on a plane. We'll see you in 48 hours. You got yourselves a game. And, you know, both these teams, whatever happens, whatever the result is, both teams should be applauded for uh, for taking this contest on. Real cool stuff. 5.30. 5.30, Saturday night. Strange kickoff uh, time because you got Alabama and LSU following. And I think they're lighting another tree or something like that. Or are they done with that? <laughs> Late night anger management class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Oh, yeah, it's all set. They got the bug boy on. The bug boy. Yeah. The little fella's been riding his heart out. They're going to break his maiden. Really? Yeah, but it's a little slow out there. It rained last night. Oh, this baby loves the slop. Loves it. Eats it up. Eats the slop. Born the slop. His father was a mutter. His father was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. What did I just say? Late night anger management class. I am Gabriel Morancy. Follow me on Twitter. At Sports Rage, nice and simple, at Sports Rage. Uh, we've been talking a lot tonight about uh, Coastal Carolina and BYU. 
I want to uh, crunch some more numbers as far as this game is concerned, but why wouldn't we? On a night tonight, like, you know it's a slow sports night when Arizona State and Cal, <laughs> like, Arizona State and Cal is like, the, you know, the coolest game, the, you know, the best game of the night. And we were on Arizona State. We were on Florida uh, tonight. Uh, college basketball picks weren't bad today. Um, that was a brutal bad beat, though, this morning, wasn't it? Now, listen, if it's 22 and a half, we always tell you guys this, right? That's why we always bite a half point. Uh, but it ended up closing at 26. As bad as Chicago State is, Eastern Illinois aren't that great where they, you know, they're going to be winning by that many points. Thing is, Eastern Illinois were up by like 34 points or so. They were up by like 32, 34 uh, for a while. Oh, yeah, we had Oklahoma tonight in a blowout. We laid the points uh, with the Sooners. So, you know, we're getting, we are our college basketball. We just sort of, listen, what day is it? So they've been playing college basketball for eight days. I've had two disastrous days, a couple of good days, and a couple of sort of, you know, whatever days. So, yeah, it comes with the territory. Comes with the territory, so to speak. Um, interesting stuff from the NFL I want to get to here in a moment. But just as far as BYU is concerned, guys, like, if you look at BYU, when we say, oh, they've murdered everybody this year, I don't think people realize, like, how much they really have destroyed everybody uh, this year. So they opened up the season. We all remember that game. It was a Monday nighter. Um, they opened up the season, and they shocked everybody. The game was basically a pick em. <laughs> and, and they beat Navy 55-3. I will admit I was on Navy. I remember. Funny how I didn't even remember I won with Oklahoma tonight until now. Just sort of popped in my head. I was like, who did I win? I won a bunch of picks today. Who did I win? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can totally remember that I had Navy in that game. Because I remember, like, very early on in the game, it was sort of like a UFC fight that you know you're on the wrong side of. Uh, right away, you're like, oh, God. Like, you know, your fighter keeps getting taken down. <laughs> you're like, oh, boy, I'm done. Uh, so Navy, 55-3. Then they played Troy. They beat Troy 48-7. They played uh, Louisiana Tech. They beat them 45-14. A lot of Tech doesn't suck. UTSA was the ones that came the closest to them, believe it or not. And BYU were 34-point favorites, and they only won by seven. They basically, that was the one flat spot of the year for BYU this year. That was the one flat spot that they had. Yeah, other than that, nobody's come within 17 points of them. Um, like Navy, 55-3, they won by 52. Troy, they won 48-7, they won by 41. 45-14, uh, absolute uh, beatdown over Louisiana Tech. Uh, UTSA, 27-20. The following week, they went to Houston, which they probably had their eye on that Houston game, actually. It was a Thursday night game. It's true, it was a short week. It was a Thursday night game. And that was their biggest game to of date at the time. You know, remember when they went into Houston that night on the Thursday nighter? The game was actually close in the first half, but BYU pulled away in the second half. They beat them 43-26. And Houston's pretty good. You know, they're not great, but it's, it's a real program. And they, they beat them easily. Then they beat Texas State 52-14. They beat Western Kentucky 41-10. Then they went to Boise in that big game on that Friday night, and they smoked Boise State 51-17. to Then they played Northern Alabama just for the sake of it because they're trying to rack up games, and they beat them. They were 52-point favorites, and they won by 52. They won 66... Um, they won 66-14. Uh, 66-14, uh, so... 
as I stated, look, in every game, what's the least amount of points? It's that one game. They, they had that one bag. If you take away the game against UTSA on October the 10th, they won 27-20. You take that game away, there's not one game that they haven't scored at least 41 points in. All right? So, and that's their low end. You know, 55, 48, 45, 43, 52, 41, 51, and 66. So I think, you know, they, they're going to score on Coastal Carolina, right? So now you get into the, you get into the invariables of the contest, which it's a tough task. You know, these guys are in Utah. You're getting them on a plane. They can't really game plan for this game all that much. They're really going to just sort of man up and play. You know, the coach, coaching staff probably not sleeping at all. Um, you know, going over, watching tape uh, of their of each team here. Um, you know, Coastal Carolina coaches are probably going, oh, God. <laughs> like, really? So this is what we got ourselves into uh, right now? So very impressive. And, and look at, like, defensively BYU. You know, holding Navy to three, Troy to seven, Louisiana Tech to 14, UTSA to 20, Houston's good offense to 26, Texas State 14, Western Kentucky 10, Boise State 17, Northern Alabama 14. Like, dear God, like, they, they, they don't give up points either. Like, you add all this up, and, you know, Coastal Carolina, this is going to be a tough spot. Now, Coastal Carolina's resume is impressive in their own right in that they've got to win over a Big 12 team. Uh, they opened up the season. They went into um, to Kansas, and they beat Kansas 38-23. And they beat Campbell 43-21. Campbell blow. Uh, they didn't cover the number in that game. They beat Arkansas State. They destroyed them 52-23. They beat ULL. That was a big game for them. ULL are really good. They won 30-27. They beat Georgia Southern 28-14. The um, Georgia State 51-0. Uh, they beat App State as well, 34-23. Like, they're a real team. Like, Coastal, it's not like Coastal Carolina, like, or like some little little kids are fraudulent. It's just BYU are grown men. They beat South Alabama 23-6, and they're coming off a uh, 49-14 win against Texas State. Hell of a season, man, for Coastal Carolina. 7-1-1 one one against the spread uh, this year to go with their gaudy 9-0 uh, record. But ultimately, BYU, they're just going to be too physical. They're going to be too physical. And let's see where the line goes. I think if you like BYU, get in on it. I doubt it comes back down. And also, I want to throw in the college game day aspect of this. The fact that the fact that it's college game day is not like an advantage, I don't believe. Like in the sense that it, it's just a distraction. It's a distraction. Yeah, once again, it's like a UFC fighter and you know, fighting in his hometown or a boxer in his hometown. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, you're on TV. Look for me on TV. And it's just, it just creates, it's just, it's a distraction from the actual football game. Uh, but we're going to be laying the points uh, with BYU. So I brought something up about the NFL I thought was interesting. Uh, ESPN had a uh, good, uh, good story about every team's emergency quarterback situation. As we've seen, this is pretty relevant because the NFL is not moving games right into playoffs and they're not going into a bubble. So basically, you're on your own, man. Something happens, you know what I mean? You you better you better be good to go. And we've seen, 
You know, we saw Baltimore just got forced to play without a, without a you know a ton of players. RG3 is a decent quarterback, but they couldn't practice. That was the thing. Wasn't it RG3 sucks so much? People, oh, RG3 sucks. Dude, they couldn't practice. They were in quarantine. The only way they could play the game is if though they acted as if though they all had uh, coronavirus. They were all isolated. So, interesting. The Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. Rookie Jake Fromm has been living in isolation away from everybody. Fromm practices separately from the rest of the team and remains socially distanced within the facility. Is he even on the team then? The kid's a rookie. He's lucky we didn't cut this kid's sorry ass. I would have. You know, he had some questionable tweets that I would not have accepted. Like, I personally would have just said, you're done. I don't know why they drafted him in the first place. Funny, there's a big story, too. Uh, ESPN has a feature on Jake Fromm about how he's living in isolation away from everybody. It's like, yeah, they probably designed it that way, kid. <laughs> you're lucky you're cashing a paycheck. Rick Saratella steps up and in. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Late-night anger management class continues. I am Morenci. The countdown is on. Of course, we're into the final month of play in the National Football League uh, regular season uh, right now. Uh, but the NFL draft is around the corner, and there's a lot of talk about who's going to end up uh, where. Rick Saratella steps up and in from the NFL Draft Bible. Who better to help us break it all down? Rick, it's been too long. How you doing, my man? Hey, always a pleasure to chop it up. Well, let's let's start chopping it up uh, right now. A lot of stuff to get to, actually. And I want to get to the, the NFC least uh, playoff picture uh, as well. But let's start off um, let's start off in the AFC East uh, right now with Adam Gase, New York Jet head coach Adam Gase's comments that he's let Sam Darnold down, that he hasn't been able to get the best out of Sam Darnold, and that it's on him that he accepts responsibility uh, for that, which is somewhat surprising because, as you know, uh, Rick, Adam Gase isn't a guy that really accepts responsibility or that really talks a lot to the media to begin with. You don't really get the real Adam Gase. He's sort of that goofball character at press conferences. So you sort of got a real Adam Gase. And, and you know, I thought there was a lot of honesty in what he talked about. You know, he said, who, who gets mono? He goes, really, our quarterback got mono and ruined everything last year. Talked about not being able to work, uh, you know, to practice and work out and work on things in the offseason this year. And he said, quite frankly, Things have just really snowballed over the last couple of years. <laughs> I guess that's the understatement of the year, Rick. <laughs> hey, yeah, right. Yeah, Adam Fugazi, we like to call him around here because, you know, they called him out on the press conference the other day. He said, hey, we know you were calling plays. You, you know, don't, we, we had a camera on Dow Loggins. He didn't say a word the whole game. So we know you were calling plays. Well, hey, it wasn't really me on first down. It wasn't, you know, maybe I had a hand on second down. But, you know, third down, yeah, I take responsibility. So he got called out by the media just a couple days prior. You know, whether he's trying to save face or write his own pink slip, hey, it's not a secret. Adam, Adam Gaze is going to be walking 
after this season. But I'll say this. You take a look at what a superstar Ryan Tannehill has become once he's parted ways with an Adam Gase. And then you take a look at the fact that the best quarterback I've seen on Broadway has been Joe Flacco. So why can't Sam Darnold do what Joe Flacco did when he has all the same weapons? You got to kind of scratch your head. What a QB whisperer Adam Fugazi really is. I got to tell you what, though, you just you just hit on a couple of things. And, you know, you know this, Rick, in life and in football, two things can be right, right? Two things can be right at the same time. And I think, you know, Adam Gase has made a lot of mistakes. Adam Gase is is not the guy, obviously, for the New York Jet organization. But does it fall all on Adam Gase? How much is this is on Sam Darnold? Was Sam Darnold overhyped coming into the National Football League? Uh, does Sam Darnold have the mental... The mental intensity, does he, you know what I mean? Is he the right guy? How much of this falls on Sam Darnold, um, not just on Adam Case, as you talked about? Look, when Joe Flacco was in there, the offense was moving, right? You know, the plays were there. And another thing is, Adam Gase is not the general manager, and it's not as though this team has a ton of talent uh, either. So Adam Gase is gone. I get it. I'm not making excuses for Adam Gase. But just because Adam Gase uh, might be out there, doesn't like uh, doesn't absolve Sam Darnold of all responsibility, does it, Rick? No, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, first round busts happen because of one of three things: either what's in your head, what's in your heart, or bad coaching. We're not inside the locker room, right? So we don't really know exactly the case. Now, I can tell you this: based on the press conferences I've seen Adam Gase give, he's not a leader of men. So you know, in terms of his coaching ability, well, hey. It yeah. doesn't look too good with the track record of Ryan Tannehill now with Sam Darnold. But sometimes first round guys, they get taken in the first round because they have talent. So you've got to now figure out, is it a mental thing, a heart thing or a coaching thing? I remember, you know, I got to be honest. I was never a big Sam Darnold guy, even coming out of UFC, uh, USC. You saw, you know, he had the great year. What was it as a freshman or whatever? The first year that he played a sophomore, I guess. And then the next year, when sort of the focus and the pressure was on, he regressed, Rick. And he had a lot of talent around him. And I remember the the the, the thought process type, well, he's trying to do too much, right? You know, the spotlight is on him. He's trying to do too much. And I'll never forget when somebody said to, to Sam Darnold, because people forget, Rick, I know you remember, people forget, he was sort of like Trevor Lawrence at the time. Oh, everyone's going to tank. People are going to tank for Sam Darnold. And I remember Sam Darnold said, I wouldn't tank for me. He said, these teams are crazy. I wouldn't tank for me. And another thing is, USC quarterbacks just aren't successful. I don't know if it's the SoCal thing, if it's the laid-back thing. You know, we've seen quarterbacks from Northern California maybe have a little bit more edge to them. Maybe it's in my head. But let me ask you, is Sam Darnold, are general managers going to be lining up to pick up uh, Sam Darnold? Or is he going to end up like Josh Rosen? No, it's a Josh Rosen situation because, you know, and you do wonder, like, the Cali mentality, how does that translate in the New York media market? But then you take a look. Eli Manning had that all shucks kind of personality yeah, yeah. that said would never work. I think the other thing, too, to remember here is kind of like if you remember when uh, Carr with the Texans back in the day, I mean, he just got so gun shy and was, you know, remember the game. I, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Well, hell, when you got less than two seconds to throw the ball, again, you talk about the personnel decisions. I remember the game where Mekhi Becton was a game-time decision. He was out there on the field, couldn't give it a go. 
first series, the backup left tackle gets hurt. Now you've got Sam Darnold behind a third-string tackle in a meaningless game getting clobbered out there, and that's where he hurt his shoulder. So, you know, where's the accountability for that? But I think it's just the repetitiveness where this kid has got a mental clock of, hey, chuck and duck, because if I don't get rid of the ball in two seconds, I'm getting clobbered out here. And, and that wears on you mentally over the course of time. I got to believe, uh, Rick, and I agree with everything you just said, but I got to believe that it's not like, not exactly like Josh Rosen. There's, I think there's a GM out there that thinks, you know what, Sam can play. He got lost in the shuffle in a weird situation with the New York Jets. I'm not saying I would be that guy, Rick. <laughs> I'm not well, saying I'd I don't, be that I, guy. I don't think, but I don't I'm, think I'm saying there's got to be a GM out there. Yeah, I mean, for a first-round pick, no. For a second-round pick, maybe. Yeah, I'd be wanting to give a fourth-round pick and say, listen, he's got he's got a lot of problems here. Uh, but so, so it's amazing, though, because everyone, you know, we didn't think the Jets were going to be great, but I don't think people thought the Jets would be winless, right? Everybody sort of had Jacksonville penciled in as being the worst team in the National Football League. And I threw this out earlier in the year, actually. I said, man, can you imagine that if it's the Jets and they, they, they got a they got to run Sam Darnold out of town because they pretend like they love him and it's not his fault. But here we are right now, and that's clearly going to happen. So let me ask you, though, about uh, Trevor Lawrence. Is Trevor Lawrence, there's a difference between being a star quarterback. Like we said, Sam Darnold was a star quarterback. And there's been a lot of star quarterbacks in college that they're not stars in the National Football League. In your mind, is Trevor Lawrence... Like on a scale of 10, is he the 10 on 10, the 11 on 10? Can't miss, slam dunk. Is this sort of, is he the most can't miss prospect coming in since Andrew Luck? Or or are you taking a wait and see approach? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair statement. Is he the best since uh, Andrew Luck? It's fair to stay, say that. Is he as good as Andrew Luck? I don't think so. So I think, you know, you've got a guy here that has all the tools, can make all the throws. All he does is win, okay? He never lost a game in high school. He's lost maybe one or two games in college. I like that. Um, and you talk about, you know, being cool as a cucumber. This guy never folds under pressure, right? And I think he's been on the mountaintop now for so long, people are trying to find ways to bring you down. And this happens with the draft process. When you they build you up, then they, build you, they break you down. They, they point yeah. out all the warts. And so, you know, I'll say this. I feel real good about if I'm taking over any organization and I get a chance to start it with this kid, I'm feeling pretty good about that. In fact, I might even say that, hey, a big-time NFL contract, number one overall pick, can Dabo Sweeney be swayed over to the NFL side? Right? And I, here's the other interesting thing. The Jets are going to be in that Josh Rosen dilemma, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And to your earlier point, if Sam Darnold is their guy, do they then entertain the thought of a Herschel Walker-type trade, a Ricky Williams-type trade? You saw what they got for Carson Wentz moving up. So, hey, Joe Douglas did have a pretty good draft. Does he move back, stockpile some first-round picks, and build around Sam Darnold? It's interesting, which you that's, that's ballsy and, man, especially with Trevor Lawrence out there. But from a football perspective, might be a better move because this is an instance, Rick, where GMs might get crazy, right, for Trevor Lawrence. Like if they actually knew 
they might start stepping up with crazy offers. Interesting that you bring up Dabo Sweeney. I don't know. It seems to me Dabo is just college, 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 college. But what about bringing in another sort of college guy? Uh, like who 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 would be a fit for you with Trevor Lawrence and the New York Jets? You know, Eric Bieniemy's name comes up first now with every job, uh, right. especially a uh, young cornerback, Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, etc. Um, you know, it does Lincoln Riley lead. Does somebody blow him away? But you know this, man, and you're in the market. You know this. It's not as though the Johnson family are the ones that say, you know what, we're going to give $20 million. We're going to be revolutionaries and give $15 million a year to this college coach, right? right? We're going to be revolutionaries and, and gamble and try to get eight picks instead of taking this guy. So, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see because the Jets are actually a pretty safe and cautious organization, and now they're going to be thrust into the limelight. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and to your point there, you know, you saw kind of uh, how, how Detroit got into a situation when they hired Matt Patricia and there was kind of some some controversial things in his past. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy, you've got to yeah. be careful there. So, I know. And, and in the New York market, if that's what we're talking about on day one of the press conference, that that's probably I'm not— I'm glad the, you <laughs> brought that up, Rick. Yeah. Because everyone always brings up, oh, he got screwed, he got screwed. Dude, last year you're in the middle of the Me Too movement, and as you just stated— Guys, he was often suspended, and stuff happened in Colorado, all right? And some people don't want to deal with it. More late that's night, been reported. Late-night anger management class continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage it up. Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gabe Morenci. We're kicking it with the great Rick Saratella. We're talking NFL Draft from uh, NFL Draft. Uh, Bible is definitely a must read. Follow them. Read it. Get prepared uh, for all of the players in the upcoming NFL Draft, especially for you prop players uh, out there. So we're just talking about uh, about Trevor Lawrence and the Trevor Lawrence situation. And yeah, Eric B. Enemy, guys, will get a job. Eric Bieniemy is going to get hired, but you know, as me and Rick were just talking about, the you know, the fact of the matter is, every time you know, when you're a coordinator somewhere, you're an assistant somewhere. It's like being a politician. Yeah, you know, if you're you're a city councilman, you know, you might be, you know what I mean. You're you're you go about your business. You're a senator. You've never really, you know, you're not running for president. You're not running for vice president. Let's put it this way. Once you get to the top and you're sitting on that podium, you get vetted. And the first thing, when any coach gets hired, there's going to be some jackass guy in the media that doesn't care about football that's going to say, you know what, let me look up this guy's records from his entire life. And let's see what he did. And then, oh, oh look at this. He was accused of this. Oh, there was an investigation. Oh, oh. And then, boom, opening press conference, Owners and GMs are there all happy, and next thing they know, they're being asked about sexual assault allegations. Remember the Detroit Lions? Matt Patricia didn't even tell them, Rick. They got caught off guard. Imagine that. Like, 
That was almost they should have fired his ass on the spot for that. And, actually, and, and, and what's interesting himself. about that is they hired a search firm, and the search firm got it wrong. And, <laughs> then, <laughs> and, and, and to your point, you could be like Ryan up there on the first day of your press conference explaining why you like feet so much. <laughs> Rick Schertz, all right, all right, we'll get back on track here. So, listen, last year, Rick. It was a challenging situation for the NFL draft. Virtual draft, no personal workouts. It was funny, 28 of the 32 GMs voted to postpone the draft, actually. And Goodell said, what makes you think COVID's going to get any better? We've got to do it now. I think Goodell made the right decision. But it's amazing that here we are a year later, and we're not quite there yet, and I know the vaccination's coming, but football players aren't getting the vaccinations first, Rick. Frontline workers and nurses are, right? So... I'm just stating, could be an unorthodox process this year once again. Can it be? Just, you know, with, with the COVID, you know, is there a combine? Oh, a lot of question marks as far as the draft, isn't there? Yeah, and, you know, they did have a $75 million budget at the beginning for COVID testing, so they may they may be able to pay their way to the front of the line in that vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I will say this. It's interesting. I just read the last edition of the uh, Sports Business Journal, and they had a poll in there. They said, what change would you like to see stay the most? And they listed a couple different things. And overwhelmingly, the fans said 60-something percent they would like to see it be kept a virtual draft. And I think it's because the intimacy, even though you don't have the in-person experience, you have the in-home experience. And not just from the player side, from the GM side, Mike Rabel, the yeah. Mike Rabel house. I mean, you had some really cool moments that <laughs> I don't think you really get when you go back to the old format. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Now, I am hearing there's legitimate concern about how the combine goes off. And should there, you know, the senior bowl, I think, may have something to do with it because, God forbid, there's a COVID outbreak at the senior bowl. Yeah. And now you're bringing in these players where, let's be honest, the most important thing is the medicals. And you've got to bring these players into the hospitals. What I'm hearing is it could look a lot different. Personnel could be restricted. You might have three or four guys from a team as opposed to 30. And it may get staggered out because of the COVID protocol. The combine might become a two-week event. Very interesting. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible. Man, I could talk for hours with you uh, about the NFL Draft. So let me, um, let me ask you here. Like, there's a lot of talk about Ohio State right now, the college football world. You know, how good are they? How many games do they have to play, et cetera? But let me ask you about their quarterback. And if you're an NFL general manager... You know, so you got Justin Fields. There's not a big body of work this year. How much does that, is that a turnoff? Is that going to be a turnoff? They're going to say, you know what? Look, man, this kid played five games, and he played against Maryland, and he struggled against Penn State, and they're going to look at this. Is Justin Fields a slam dunk to be the second quarterback taken? Or, and he didn't like the comparison. He didn't like the nickname. So I'm just going to throw it out there for the chuckle of it. But the... Um, the Mormon Manziel. Zach Wilson's like, I'm not Johnny Manziel, <laughs> right? Like, he didn't like that. But Taysom Hill was called that before as well. But Zach, is Zach Wilson the real deal to you? Are you buying in that he's a top five quarterback, top two quarterback? 
I'm buying into the fact that if Jordan Love went 14th overall, well, then Zach Wilson can very well do the same thing, right? Because there's always going to be a wild card. There's always going to be a need. And to your point with the Justin Fields, if the season ended today, yeah, he's the number two overall pick. You know why? Look around the league. Look how many teams need a quarterback. Yeah. And then you got teams like the Jaguars who stockpile draft picks. They could be looking to move up. So, you know, I think Justin Fields is the second quarterback. And, you know, does he have the body of work? Well, hey, he might have only played a handful of games, but I think he's closed the gap more than people realize between him and Lawrence. And what he's done in a short period of time is show that he's improved his mechanics. He's uh, improved his poise in the pocket. He's improved his accuracy. And so don't forget also when you go to the combine, Trevor Lawrence tested positive now for the COVID. What kind of medical, you know, he hasn't been through a, a thorough yeah. medical examination. Does something pop up there? There's the wild card. There's the X factor. And so, you know, and the other thing I'll say about this, college football needs to wake up with their leadership, Mark Emmert and the whole president. They need to hire my ass. But let me tell you something. Every single professional sports league has expanded their playoffs this season. Why not? Why not? We've been talking about it. This is the year to experiment, expand the college football playoff, get it done. Yeah, and instead they want to screw BYU over. Speaking of Zach Wilson, I mean, come on, these guys ranked 13th. Come on, come on. Like, hey, let's let let's be real. Oh, we got a fun game against Coastal Carolina. So as far as Zach Wilson, though, this kid's stock really has, uh, you know, skyrocketed. He showed some moxie last year, but this year. I mean, he's a complete package, isn't he? I mean, is he this year's Joe Burrow in the sense that, you know, mobile, competitive, strong arm, kid throws bombs? Like, it's not just, well, it's a dink and dunk. Yeah, it's a West Coast. But no, man, you've seen Chunk plays with BYU. I guess, you know, the, the, the knock against BYU as a whole, Rick, has been the level of competition. But I don't want to hear that. He's played against Boise State. He played against the Houston Cougars. He played against Navy. He's playing against the same schools everybody else does. So I think it's a little overrated. But what's your what's your what's your scouting report uh, on the kid? Six three? Was he six three? Two twenty or so? Real competitive kid? Two fifteen? What's, yeah, uh, what's your take on him? More like six two. I think he'll come in. But you know, uh, we always got to lose an inch. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, six, six foot two and one eighth inches. But yeah. and you know, you you know what you get with him is you remember the old NFL films uh, footage back in the day with Mike Holmgren on the sidelines, Brett Favre's rookie year. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. No, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of that. You get a lot of that with Zach Wilson. So you know, he makes these plays where you say, "Wow, okay, that's rare." Right. Only, you know, a few guys can make that throw. And then he makes some throws. You're saying, oh, man, what's he doing? So I think, again, the, the good parallel is, is one comparison I would have is, hey, Jordan Love is a guy that kind of had some of those flash plays. But don't remember now the hesitancy about Patrick Mahomes was, hey, this guy's making all these plays outside the pocket. It's kind of untraditional from what we've seen, you know, yeah. maybe not so much now. But when Patrick Mahomes was coming out a few years back, you didn't have all this uh, improvising and, and, and supervising. But so Wilson can do that. They like that. Wilson will do the sidearm stuff and the yeah, which coaches hate. But it seems like they're getting a bigger, bigger tolerance level. Open. Yeah, yeah, bigger. Okay, so we've only got uh, got a couple of minutes uh, left uh, with Rick Sarantella, NFL Draft Bible. So we're talking about quarterbacks. Joe Burrow was uh, was a home run. Man, like, this kid was good this year, wasn't he, Rick? You could just tell right away. 
uh, the it factor, the teammates loved him. I, I, I remember, you know, I don't know if it was his first game. He, I don't know, his first, second game, but he scrambled from like the 30. I'm sure you remember the play. He scrambled from like the 30 into the end zone. And I just saw, you can tell by the reaction of the teammates when somebody scores, whether they like the kid or not, right? The old lineman could have just thrown a high five to each other and ran to the sidelines. Dude, they sprinted into the end zone. They picked them up. They're all patting them on the head hard. You could tell they were like, yeah, kid, yes, kid. Like, they, they, the Bengals were like, we got a leader. We got a quarterback now. Now they got, a, they, they, they got a leader, but they got no security guards for this leader. If they're a bank, they're getting robbed every day. <laughs> like <they've, laughs> So it's almost too obvious, but Sewell from the Ducks is their guy. Is he, is he the top player that's not a quarterback drafted in the draft? Yeah, I would agree with that. But it, unfortunately for Joe Burrow, it's a year too late, right? Because, you know, I, and I hats off to T. Higgins. He's had a great year. But when you when you draft a franchise quarterback and you've got a crap O-line, when yeah. you come back with that 33rd pick, it's got to be left tackle, okay? Yeah. You've got to protect your assets. Now, friendly reminder, Wednesday matinee football, there's RG3 running around. And I remember before that ACL injury that he suffered, he was unstoppable. Yeah. Remember what he, Mike Shanahan, all this RPO that, you know, what the heck is this? RPO, RG3 was killing folks. And then he had that MCL or ACL. And, and you wonder now, like, hey, even with that protection, is this guy going to be ready for opening day? If he is, is he going to be a shell of himself? Because that's usually really takes two years to get back to the true form. It's a good point. And it's too bad because... He did have that little spark. He did have that little, you know, just that that knack, the mobility. I mean, probably didn't become a little bit more of a pocket passer. It's funny you mentioned RG3. I used a comparison of uh, Carson Wentz and RG3 the other day, which, remember Carson Wentz, there were chance of MVP, MVP, MVP. Constant injuries, uh, now footwork issues. And what do they do there? So it's amazing. You look at that division, and, you know, the quarterback stuff. People earlier in the year were saying Daniel Jones, ah, Gettleman's going to be gone. Jones will be there next year. That's crazy talk. Jones, Jones will be there uh, next year. But Washington's quarterback situation, clearly up in the air. And then Philadelphia is stuck in purgatory. Like, Adam Gase can't help Sam Darnold. It's pretty clear that Doug Peterson can't help Carson Wentz. Like, Frank Wright could help him. Dolefipo uh, uh, could help him before. Mm -hmm. But now... Carson Wentz is kind of lost, and is Jalen Hurts the guy? Like, and they got Wentz under contract there. It's a big quarterback mess in that division. You got Dak Prescott coming back from injury. Daniel yes. Jones is the most steady guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Alex Smith might argue that, but I use that loosely. Yeah, yeah I'm using it, it loosely. <laughs> and, and I think the Redskins are right around that Zach Wilson territory, right? I like, know, it just I makes know. sense. Because he, yeah. he groomed Kaepernick, he groomed Mahomes. Now he can groom Zach Wilson. That would uh, really, you know, make sense there. But, uh, you know, the Daniel Jones thing, uh, I, I think, you know, we'll see if Gettleman remains or not. Uh, but Carson Wentz, I, I'm hearing that he is hurt. You know, he's always hurt. I, I grabbed him at the Combine after his podium interview. I said, Carson, come here. Stop diving head first, would you? Yeah. Because if you look at it, even in college, he was hurt. Every year, he's been hurt, and it's on a head-first slide. He never learned how to slide. That guy's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. Dude, there was another. There was another big injury too, Rick. And I, we got only forty seconds left, but I remember there was another one. I think it was against the Rams. 
two years ago, scrambling around, trying to be a hero. He got absolutely murdered. And it was one of these deals, bro, that's on you. Like, you don't, that's on you. Like, it's not the old line. You can't run around for 12 seconds uh, with your back to everybody and then get surprised that you got killed after, right? And, you know, give him the credit. Oh, he's cowboy tough, right? Oh, North Dakota, I'm a tough kid. Well, you're, you're not that tough, evidently, because you're, you know, you got big problems. Rick Saratella, NFL Trap Bible, will definitely do it again. Thanks for the time, my man. Appreciate you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Late night anger management class. The three-minute warning for real. 180-minute full-court press. Great times uh, this evening. Um, the Friday Night Freak Show is always off the hook, uh, though we got Steve Merrill, Tony Finn. Steve Merrill, we weren't on last uh, Friday, right? Uh, it feels like it's been a long time since we've spoken to Tony Finn. It was Thanksgiving and all that stuff. So uh, Tony Finn, the step up and in. Steve uh, Merrill, we're going to be talking Hawaii and uh, San Jose State. Big football game as well. The Spartans are undefeated. And, you know, we talked a lot about the Sun Belt uh, this evening. You know, we're talking about Coastal Carolina. But uh, interesting college football game tomorrow night. Not a bad one for a Friday night uh, tilt. Like, tonight's games were crap, man. We knew they were crap going in, and they were crap. Um, you know, the Air Force-Utah State game was unwatchable. Uh, but tomorrow night, App State and the Ragin' Cajuns. Ragin' Cajuns are going to be playing Coastal Carolina in the championship game. Uh, but this is a revenge spot uh, for them. Louisiana, Lafayette, and App State have faced in the Sun Belt Championship uh, before. And uh, App State got the best uh, of them. App State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, you sort of think, wow, they're at home and they'll get it done. I'm not so sure. I think uh, I think Lafayette are a better football team. I think, I think they're just better than App State are this year. But it's a tough game. But it's a fun game. Cool game to watch. A total, 51-and-a-half. A little light. Feels, feels a little light. Uh, so great, great stuff with Rick Saratella. You know, interesting about Sam Darnold. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to turn into Josh Rosen. NFL GMs never liked uh, Rosen. Like, they they initially never liked them. They actually like uh, Sam Darnold. You have the Adam Gase factor that people are going to build that in as an excuse uh, for him. The Jets do suck. You know what I mean? It's not like it's all Sam Darnold's fault. And, you know, there's a couple of landing spots uh, for Sam Darnold, man, that uh, that he could end up in. You know, the Chicago Bears don't have a quarterback. Trubisky and Foles both blow. Sam Darnold there, would have shocked you. The Colts sort of, you know, stash him. Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben, you know, you bring in Darnold. Ben's not going to be around forever. All right, we'll catch you on Game Time Decisions. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Later.